Welcome to the Control Alt Azure podcast. I'm Yusuf. And I'm Tobias. Join us for a journey in the cloud. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Azure. My name is Tobias, and I'm back again with Yusuf. What's up? Hey, Toby. I finally relented and bought myself this year's Christmas gift already. I do realize it's still it's still October, but uh, I, I want to be uh, in time, if you will, and I, I hope the gift will arrive this week. Although I'm not sure if I'll open it before Christmas, during Christmas Eve, like we do here in the Nordics, I think you do that same in, in Sweden as well, or if I want to store my gift securely and wait for the value to go up. Why? Sounds like a Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could be that too. It might be a disappointment or perhaps a huge surprise when you open it. But the um, the, the thing that I bought is the Lego Millennium Falcon, the, the biggest one. And officially it's 7,541 pieces. I'm fairly certain that when I open it, start building it, it's 7,539 pieces. So it's probably missing two pieces <laughs> at the end. And then you feel disappointed. But that's that's probably where my thoughts have been for the past couple of weeks. Should I get it or not? Eventually, I decided I'm getting it. Now I'm waiting to get it. And then I'm waiting to think what I'm going to do with it. That's one of those Wookiee airplanes, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've seen a lot of people uh, in our community on, on Twitter mentioning the the Falcon. Uh, I know some people have it, some people built it, uh, others started building it and perhaps put it on a shelf for now. Uh, others, much like you, just contemplate it, still have it in the box. So yeah, I'm looking forward to hear an update whether you uh, you start building that or not. So on my side, I spent the weekend on the countryside and I did some hiking. And then I spent the night on an old familiar hotel along the famous coastline here called Östoleum. And I really, really realized that I've, I've missed traveling and staying in hotels because at some point I was really fed up with all of the travels due to, uh, you know, most of the travel being just for work and with very little time to do anything else during the travel. So perhaps a, a bit of travel and hotel fatigue of sorts. One year I had about 200 hotel nights. When I traveled the globe working, I was home every Saturday. And then every single week of the year, I was somewhere working. And that was, I was young. I was single. It was cool. You know, I could do whatever I wanted. It was fun for a year, uh, but I was so exhausted. So I think that kind of contributed to my travel and, and hotel fatigue. So I've been at home for the last at least six, seven years, you know, going on the occasional trip. But during this weekend, I realized perhaps also because of the situation in the world where we've been even more isolated in the last two years, that I really miss it. And I would love to go on perhaps one to two longer trips per year, business trips, where we can go to some events, perhaps in the US, and then do a couple of more events close by, which is in Europe. So in, in Europe, I can, for example, jump in the car, I can get to an event in a couple of hours, most of the time. Uh, worst case, I go on an airplane for one to two hours and I'm there. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to be able to do that again and hope that I can find some relevant events. And I know there's one event coming next October or November in Copenhagen. And I'm definitely going to be there because that's literally 12 minutes from my front door. Uh, so there's no reason not to go. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited 
spending just this very analog weekend on the countryside, living in a hotel. I checked in and they say, how many are you checking in? I'm like, oh, it's only me because I got a free pass from the family to, you know, just do my hiking and, and take it easy. And yeah, great food, great beer. Yeah, it was a really great place. So definitely missed that part of, of travels and meeting great people. So again, I'm looking forward to the world opening up and us meeting, not just virtually, but actually at an event, be able to perhaps share a good uh, bottle of wine or a coffee and, and just have a sit down and a good talk. I, I fully agree with these thoughts. Uh, you mentioned the coastline, the Esterlen coastline. I think I've never been there. And that's that's on the east side, right? Of, yep, of, yep. of the coastline. Southeast. Okay. So I live in, in Sweden in the southern parts um, around Malmo, which is on the, the western side of the south uh, coastline, if you will. And then on the eastern side, which is just you know, a 40-minute drive by car, uh, it starts and then goes along the east coast north. Uh, it's a really beautiful, you know, white sand beaches, really uh, cold water. <laughs> so if you if you like that, it's perfect. It's not my thing, but it's great beaches, uh, great views, uh, a lot of great hike, hiking opportunities, and yeah, it's a it's a really nice place. I, I think my knowledge uh, on the Swedish geography is limited to Stockholm, Malmo, Jönköping, uh, and Göteborg. I think those those are the four main places I've been to and and I know how to navigate to. But this is definitely something I need to look up as well. So today, this is episode 105, Expectations on Microsoft Ignite Fall 2021. So Ignite is here again. What are your thoughts on Ignite, Toby? Uh, I think the emphasis here is on what you just said. Ignite is here again. And when I saw Ignite coming in November 2021, which is November 2nd to 4th, 2021, so it's uh, really soon, um, I thought, wait a second, didn't we just have an Ignite? And I looked in our show notes and we did a recording about our thoughts after the Ignite that happened last time, which was also in 2021. And I think that was in March. Uh, so this is the second event of the year. And I, I really like that. Uh, because they they share a lot of stuff. So looking back at historic virtual events, uh, specifically Ignite, the delivery was on par. It was so good. I really liked it. What I really liked was the experience where you can kind of jump in and jump out at any given time, whenever you want. And it just so happened to be a lot of these things happen US time zone. So for me, perhaps when I need to put my kids to bed, it's going to be hard for me to attend one of the the sessions. However, if they do it like they did last year, and looking at the agenda, it looks like they are, uh, they uh, kind of replay or re-deliver the same session in the European time zones as well. So if I cannot do it on, let's say, Wednesday evening, my time, I can do it Thursday morning, because the same session is going to be rolled uh, then. So speaking just in general, general about the event, I think the, the virtual delivery is going to be great. Um, they, of course, have some things to live up to here because they did a great event last time, by my standards at least. And yeah, I think the delivery and the, the entire event will uh, hopefully surprise us in a good way that they also learned some things in how they did it last time and can improve. So um, logistically and, and planning, I think that's going to be great. Great for you 
if you like like us live in Europe or if you're anywhere else in the world, it's going to be an event where you can actually attend on your own terms, not just because it's someone else's time zone and they deliver it once in the in this case US time zone. So I think that is one of the key things for me that I can actually get my entire life and everything that I have here around the event and actually watch them on my own terms. So I think that's number one for me. I think we've discussed this briefly before, but I'm again returning this thought that when it's a virtual event, is it better that the sessions are timed so that it's it's an evening time for you, like 6 p.m. or 7 p.m.? Or would it be easier if the sessions would be held during daytime, during office hours? And I'm not sure because I'm looking at my calendar. So Ignite is next week. And I'm looking at my calendar and and I've sort of blocked time during the days for following up on Ignite News and the sessions and keynotes. But at the same time, I feel slightly guilty sitting in my home office or sitting on the sofa, just listening and watching something the whole day when I feel I should be creating something of value to my customers and, and my colleagues. So for now, I think the evening timing works better because then at least you do have a chance to catch up on some of the things. And during day, you don't really have to focus that much on the event itself. On Ignite, I, I'm anxiously waiting for it. But at the same time, I also feel that Build this year and Ignite this year, they were really good. But they sort of blend together now because most online events are fairly similar, if you will. So looking back six months ago when we had built and what, eight, nine months ago when we had Ignite, you sort of do not recall too much about the sessions anymore. But when you used to visit in person to an event, you would travel there for 24 or 28 hours, you would check in the hotel, you would meet the speakers and the people. It sort of ingrains those memories and you get something something solid in return. But now it's yet another session, even if it's super interesting. There's too many distractions at home, I think, especially in the evenings. So I'm really aiming to focus now on Ignite, but I also know that regular life will spill over on my focus hours at the same time. So before we dive into the categories and, and the thoughts specifically on Ignite expectations, anything else you'd, you'd highlight from Ignite? So there's a couple of things. One is something we also had the last time called the Ignite Cloud Skills Challenge. And I think they promoted this pretty heavily last time. So I'm, I'm pretty confident most of you listening has heard about that. If you have not, it's about learning about existing or new topics to you uh, that could be of interest, exploring Microsoft Learn, and then pass some of the evaluations after doing some of the modules in Microsoft Learn. When you do that, uh, during the Ignite Cloud Skills Challenge, I think they will announce this in a couple of days. So when the event starts on, on November 2nd, they will also, if you signed up for, for the Cloud Skills Challenge, they will send an email and say, here's the uh, Cloud Skills Challenge. And that means that there might be perhaps five different courses that you take. And at the end of one of those courses, you will get a quiz. And if you pass that quiz, and I believe you can do that quiz any amount of times that you want, when you pass the quiz, uh, you will get a free Microsoft certification exam voucher. So I did that last time. I think that's pretty great because we've talked a lot in this show about exams and different certifications. And uh, one key feedback that I've gotten over all the years 
and doing exams and, and certifications is when the employer does not want to support you taking an exam because it perhaps does not contribute exactly to the area you're working with, but it's something you want to expand on, uh, then you have to kind of put those, I don't know, 165 US dollars, I think it is, uh, from your own pocket because you cannot expense it on your company, which is pretty common if it doesn't actually contribute to what you're working on. Doing this will give you a free voucher. So you can, if you have your eyes on a specific exam, you can do the learning modules, you can do the quiz, then you get the voucher, and then you can do the real exam as well, uh, free of charge. So I think that's a, a key thing. The event is free to attend, and out of it, you get 165 US dollars if you want to kind of swap the voucher for what the value is worth in, in terms of an exam. So if you're in the situation where you have to uh, take an exam and you have to pay for it yourself, this is awesome. And even, of course, if your employer has to pay for it, you're going to save 165 bucks, which is, you know, it's a good saving. Uh, so I think the cloud skills challenge, definitely keep an eye on that. I, I really liked it the last time. So I'm, I'm hoping we'll see some interesting topics in this category this year. So the cloud skills challenge, uh, what especially caught my ear is, is you get a free certification exam voucher. And here I am thinking about my Lego Millennium Falcon that cost me about 15 certification exam costs. <laughs> <laughs> but one free certification exam voucher, yeah, I might go in, in for so this. If you, do the, if you do the Ignite Cloud Skills Challenge 15 years in a row, yeah <laughs> it's the same value as your <laughs> maybe Egg. that's how long it's going to take you to build it <laughs> yeah i think so too Alrighty, i am excited for ignite already so perhaps we dive into the specific areas that that they have for the ignite sessions and and uh keynotes and the focus sessions as well should we start with security yeah i definitely think we'll see a lot of security during this event and you know, the emphasis on cybersecurity and security in our systems and cloud provider this is strong. And it's clear that Microsoft is a company really committed to delivering on the highest of standards. We see this across everything they do in Azure, Microsoft 365, their public clouds. We see it in everything they deliver in all the events, and all the code samples, all the repositories. There's always talk about cybersecurity in, in one angle or the other. So I took a look at the agenda um, and I filtered a little bit on security because there's a, a couple of things here that I'm really interested on. Um, so there's three sessions that stick out to me that I really want to attend. One is tackling the biggest cybersecurity challenges for 2022. And this, um, in that session, we'll meet with the security leaders and they will discuss the big issues and lessons learned from the past year. Uh, they will share key recommendations for security teams to kind of successfully navigate the, this evolving threat landscape, you know, when we go into 2022 and beyond. So I, I think that will shed some light on the situation, perhaps the, um, you know, the global situation, but also what Microsoft is doing in this area. So um, I, I think the topic in itself, the, the headline is pretty cool, tackling the biggest cybersecurity challenges for 2022. So it's a very wide scope. There can be anything going on in this session, but I definitely think it's worth it. If you're in any capacity at all working with security, compliance, privacy, I think this is a session you would want to attend. Another session that I saw in this area is protect everything with end-to-end -end security. And that's also a, a pretty wide title, depending on you know if you read the abstract. 
And I took a look and it looks like this is about discovering new products and innovations that will help you protect everything from the endpoint to the cloud across security, compliance, identity, uh, device management, and privacy. So you can see here how microsecurity is helping organizations of any size to be safe in the face of increased global cyber threats. So I think, and again, the title here is Protect Everything with End-to-End Security. I think we're going to see some new stuff coming here and some new innovations, um, especially since they also put this in the abstract that you will discover new products and innovations that help you protect everything. So hopefully we'll see some new capabilities in existing tools. Maybe we'll even see some new tools, I don't know, uh, or services in the cloud that can help with with the security journey that we're going to do. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. So I spotted the tackling the biggest cybersecurity challenges for 2022 session as well. That's definitely the one that I, I want to see as it as it happens. The other aspects on security, what I'm sort of expecting and hoping and, and looking at the session list, I also know there's going to be plenty of content, is around passwordless and zero trust. So both heavily aligned with Azure AD. But what I perhaps was expecting a bit more, but at least for now, I did not see when I scanned the session list, is anything on Azure Sentinel and Azure Defender. And those were heavy topics during the March Ignite. So perhaps that's at a level now that Microsoft feels there's, there's enough knowledge, enough information, enough content available already. And now passwordless and zero trust, and as you mentioned, end-to-end -end security. Those three topics seem to be sort of the, the, the main idea along many of the security-related sessions. Um, I think that sounds reasonable. And I'm, I'm also seeing this pattern that you say with zero trust and seeing, seeing a lot more in this area. And I, I think this is something we talked about that in not too long ago uh, about passwordless in, in Azure. And I think this is something that organizations are starting to look at. And I think the importance of it is becoming clear. So I, I really hope that we can also embrace it in our organization fully. So we have a fully passwordless experience. We're not quite there yet uh, because it does require some adoption, even if we technically could just implement it. Uh, it's kind of, of course, take some adoption of the, the users to embrace that as well. But I hope that these sessions will shed some light, not only on the technical capabilities, but also perhaps on exactly this. How do you get the organization to adopt, the, adopt this? So in our case, we're a small organization, so we can pretty easily do that just by calling everyone if we want to and say, hey, this is going to happen. This is how you're going to do. Any questions, reach out. Whereas if you're 10,000 people, you cannot do that. Then you have to have a, a training and planned user adoption journey as well. So I'm, I'm hoping to see some of those aspects as well. We talked about passwordless in episode 93. So that was about, what, two or three months ago. And I noticed on Twitter, perhaps two weeks ago, that October is the unofficial passwordless month. So I spent one evening a few weeks ago in, in trying to get rid of my passwords on all of my main accounts. I, I've got about 10, 12 main accounts that I use. And on the Microsoft accounts, which used to be called Live IDs, uh, you have the option now to remove the password as well. So it's fully passwordless. There, there simply isn't a password you can type in anymore. You always have to use your phone or some other, other uh, factor in the authentication. And funny thing happened yesterday. 
I was fiddling with with my company's uh, partner settings in the Microsoft Partner Portal. I think it's called the Partner Center now. And as 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 one of the requirements I needed to do was an assessment. So I figured, well, I'll just do the assessment. It was on Windows Server and hybrid. And I set out to do it. But before you can start the assessment through the partner portal, you need to log in with a Microsoft account, not the official Azure AD account. So I tried logging in with my main MSA account and it started complaining, no, you need to type in your password. And I'm like, hold on, I, <laughs> what, don't, what ha I don't have a physical password anymore. I, I, I do have my phone. I can give you my fingerprint or a pin or whatever, but a password I don't have. And it sort of went into this loop asking for a password, then somehow realizing on the back end, well, this is a weird looking account. It doesn't have a password. So that's that for me was perhaps a good reminder that when new and fancy and shiny things appear, you definitely want to embrace those with your test accounts or test setups. But in production, perhaps not everything is catching up at the same time. And this is now evident with some Microsoft-backed systems that simply haven't been updated to this new authentication approach. But as you said, uh, definitely the end-to-end the -end security and everything around passwordless and zero trust will probably be a huge thing next week for Ignite. So perhaps moving, moving on to the next topic, um, should we talk about hybrid work? Yeah, so just as noted on the Ignite website, there are uh, quite some sessions in the area of hybrid work. And I think, you know, being flexible is the new normal, both for individuals and organizations. Um, I also found an interesting uh, session in this area. It's called Rich Secure Content Collab and Collaboration for Hybrid Work. And this is with Jeff Teeper, Gina Arenas, Naomi Moneypenny, and Kathy Dew, and a couple more. And here, Microsoft wants to deliver experiences that drive collaboration in remote and hybrid work environments uh, with even greater levels of security and compliance. So again, we see this theme, which is said, let's move on from security and talk about hybrid work. But you can see even in, in those sessions, it comes back to compliance and security because this is such a hot topic and one of the most important things we need to focus on. And I really like here in this hybrid work where, you know, in the last two years, most organizations worldwide figured out we need a way for people to be able to work remotely, you know, and Microsoft Teams enables us to do that. So I think in this session, because it's, um, you know, led by Jeff Tieper and Yina Arenas and, and team, I think we'll see perhaps some stuff in the uh, Microsoft 365 platform, how to, how to enhance it, how to expand on it, uh, how to work safely and securely with Microsoft Teams and stuff like this. Um, Two things that I noted about the session, other than what I just said, is uh, this session will also disclose new admin and security management controls. I think that's going to be important. So if you do work with Microsoft 365 in any capacity, if you're an admin or if you manage it in some, some areas of your organization, I think this session will be for you. They also mentioned that this session disclosed new capabilities for developers to design and extend the Microsoft 365 platform. So there's going to be something for developers. And again, it's not, probably not like a feature update or something. It's when they say that we're going to disclose new capabilities for developers to design and extend on the Microsoft 365 platform. And it's led by Jeff Tieper, Yina Arenas, uh, Naomi, and Kathy. I think it's going to be some pretty interesting things coming out of that one. So I have 
high expectations. I'm definitely having this on my bucket list, so I will definitely take a look at this session. Um, just to repeat the, the title of the session, in case you want to plug that into your session builder, Rich, Secure Content and Collaboration for Hybrid Work. I'm sort of realizing now that the focus isn't anymore, especially with Ignite. Uh, it's not just with Teams or Yammer or SharePoint or Microsoft 365. It's the whole big picture, if you will. So the, the whole concept of modern work and hybrid work uh, seems to be a big aspect this time around with Ignite. I'm also interested in seeing the new admin and security management controls, definitely. And I feel uh, when they hint at new capabilities for developers, I, I, I feel this is more aligned on Microsoft Graph, on perhaps new, new API endpoints in there, which of course is, is super welcomed. I also saw with, with this main topic, hybrid work, I also saw plenty of sessions from Power Platform, but also from Microsoft 365 in the way of Windows 11, Windows 365. So this seems to be uh, a vast topic, which you can approach from, from multiple angles to, to learn and understand more about what's happening and how should we build this hybrid work environment that's both secure, but also ensures productive collaboration. So yeah. next up, perhaps we should talk about multi-cloud a bit. So I'm, I'm approaching this topic from two angles in a, in a sense. So definitely I've got a strong on-premises background. So I sort of feel that's still a thing here and it's still at play. But at the same time, I also feel that Microsoft is reaching more with the multi-cloud approach to anywhere else than just on-premises. So this could be Edge, uh, AWS, GCP, something else. And, and for me, multi-cloud strategy from Microsoft feels to be two things. It's Azure Arc and the, the, um, the industry clouds, meaning the more focused offerings based on the industry working. But any, any additional thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I actually did notice when scrolling through the session, uh, session list just now that uh, Scott Gu, Scott Guthrie, has a core theme session on, on this, and the core theme being Innovate Anywhere from Multi-Cloud to Edge. The session is called the same, so Innovate Anywhere from Multi-Cloud to Edge, and it's about discovering how the latest innovations will help you secure, operate, and govern infrastructure, data, and applications uh, across hybrid and multi-cloud. So how to innovate at scale with end-to-end -end data capabilities in Azure, how to deliver the next gen of cloud-native applications. So I'm really curious here, what is the next gen of cloud-native applications? What does that entail? So I hope we'll, hope we'll get some insights into that. And also how to empower cross-functional fusion teams um, of developers and employees to build productively with developer and low-code tools. So I think also they will talk a little bit about you know, traditionally, we have the engineering teams and the developers, and we have uh, the no-code, low-code platform. But I think with, you know, what, what we usually refer to as fusion dev, we see that traditional development and low-code, no-code kind of merges. So low-code can build a bit more complex solutions. And as a developer, you can build perhaps more simple solutions, technically simple solutions to build, but that can have a better business impact. So I hope we'll see some, some stuff in this area. 
And I think it's going to be fairly high level because it's Scott Gu delivering it. And I think his corporate vice president for Azure, something like that. I don't actually recall his exact title right now, but it's the guy in the red shirt. So if you've seen any of these events in the past and you see a technical keynote, uh, Scott Gu is probably going to deliver that. So I have high hopes for this session as well to pick something up. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious about this cross-functional fusion team um, you know, merging kind of developers and low-code, no-code uh, kind of power users. Because I think this has, for the longest of time, already been uh, a hot topic, especially with both of our backgrounds. We come from SharePoint. We have built countless intranets and other collaboration solutions. There's always been developers, IT pros, uh, and power users. And these are kind of the three categories that you saw all the time. But we're seeing now that you don't have the same kind of definition, defined roles in the same way. So I guess this is where fusion teams come in and fusion development, where as a developer, you can build using the Power Platform. If you're a power user and you build stuff on the Power Platform, you can also learn development and use that. So I, I think we're, we're going to see a lot more of that. And I, I really welcome it because looking at the Microsoft 365 ecosystem and what's in there and, and with Azure, the capabilities with Azure combined with for example, the Power Platform is endless. You can build such cool solutions, super productive solutions, and you can build line of business apps really easily with the Power Platform. And then if you need to extend those beyond what the capabilities you know, out of the box is, then that's kind of where the Fusion Dev comes in and you can hook up a couple of functions, you can build something else on the back end, and you can kind of hook into that from the Power Platform. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to take a look at these things. You know, having 20 years of background as a developer, but in the last couple of years, you know, opening my my playing field to a lot more than development, I really welcome this. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to to that. So to just repeat the title: Innovate Anywhere from Multi Cloud to Edge with Scott Gu. And Edge here doesn't mean the browser; it means the edge computing <laughs> approach. On the topic of fusion development and fusion development teams. On Power Platform, I'm both expecting the Fusion uh, Fusion Dev and Citizen Dev uh, concept to, to mature a bit more. But what I spotted on the topic of Power Platform as well is a new feature that's part of the session description. And, and this is new migration capabilities, specifically from Access Databases. And I do need to ask you, when was the last time you worked with Access? I would say that today it's probably 10 years. And, and 10 years ago, it was not a lot of Access databases. 10 years ago, it was phasing out the last of the Access databases, probably replacing them with Excel, <laughs> which is perhaps not ideal. But it, we used to, and, and just short trivia, my first websites that I built in the 90s used access files. I think that was MDB files or something like this as backends. So all the data from the websites I built was hosted in a single file, an access database file, and you could open it using Microsoft Access to look at the data you had. Really simple, but also really dumb in a way if, if you look at modern capabilities. So it's been a while. That's that's impressive. And I'm, I'm just typing in my Windows 11 search box now. Do I have access installed? Because 
I I do install the the Microsoft 365 apps directly from from Office 365, and it includes Access though. So I'm I'm happy to see that I can still utilize Access and perhaps try out the migration capabilities in the future. For me, at least ten years. We did have Access services, and was it later called Access Online at some point, but more often than not if i had a customer who said well we've got this access we need to do something about this it was more about let's get rid of the access but let's not migrate anything let's start start from a new platform perhaps a sharepoint list or excel or azure sql or sql server or something else than just access Alrighty, i i think we've sort of exhausted our thoughts and expectations on ignite so ignite starts next week by the time you are hopefully listening on this one as always thank you for joining us this week and um, we'll, we'll hope to hear from you next week all right see you then Thank you for tuning in to the Control Alt Azure podcast. Find out more and read the show notes on controlaltazure.com. Stay tuned.